This is Bob Cudmore. Welcome to Episode 4 of the podcast of my humor book, You Can't Go Wrong, Stories from Nero New York and Other Tales. Urban renewal fails to renew Nero. The Sock Museum was never a draw. In the 1990s, government welfare programs for individuals have been reformed and restrained, but welfare programs for businesses and communities have grown, if you were in the right place. People in Nero are sympathetic to a Glenville businessman who missed out on the government's business welfare programs because of location, location, location. Glenville restaurant owner Ralph Spillinger wondered why his inland Bayou Cafe on Route 50, a family restaurant featuring spicy food and weekend entertainment, didn't qualify for low-interest loans and a grant, which were considered for people buying the Riverhouse Cafe on the Mohawk River in Glenville. Government money, you see, is available to revitalize the riverfront. Route 50 in Glenville and Nero, for that matter, are not eligible. I wish I could get a 3% loan, Spillinger told the Glenville Town Council. Stan Jr., the bartender owner at the Four Clover Tavern in Nero, would agree. However, it's unlikely any aid will be forthcoming to repair the tan and torn asphalt siding on the Four Clover, even though the government appears flush with cash this year. There won't even be grant money to fix up the neon sign at the tavern, which currently flashes for cover. The L is gone, you see. Nero feels cheated as government development programs, ranging from riverfront projects in Glenville and Amsterdam to the Metroplex in Schenectady, are announced. Nero doesn't qualify for riverfront aid because the city is built on the Keep Them Under Creek. It's not on a river. As for the Metroplex, Nero is simply not big enough nor deprived enough to make another attempt at revitalization of its downtown a positive campaign promise for incumbents statewide and regional candidates in the next election. Frankly, now that Schenectady County has jumped aboard the Metroplex bandwagon, folks in Nero don't know whether to envy or pity the Schenectadians. When Nero's downtown was gutted to make way for urban renewal in the 1970s, longtime local businessman Hayden Waldorf of Waldorf Stationers admitted privately that there is an element of blind-to-the-consequences risk in such a major undertaking, 
destroying a decrepit but still-functioning downtown that had defined Nero, for better or worse, for close to a century. Waldorf said back then, Nobody knows that this project's going to make Nero any better. Don't let anybody kid you. But we have to do something, and there's government money to do this. Let's cash the check. Nero's downtown has not prospered. The sock museum was never a draw. The flat roof of the downtown hotel leaked. The creek flooded the concrete parking garage, which would have been more of a problem if more cars had parked there. Businessman Waldorf, whose support was crucial to Nero Urban Renewal 20 years ago, was a well-connected man, a real city father. He lived on the right hill, went to the right church, belonged to the proper service club, was married to a daughter of one of the founders of the local mills, and was widely admired for his business sense, general integrity, and common sense. To hear him admit, even privately, that he hadn't a clue as to the feasibility of Nero's big development project in the 1970s, a project he supported, was a revelation. There may not be any smart money. It could be that nobody is really in the know about anything as complex as the future of city life. What's in a name? Should Nero be renamed Government Check? When North Terrytown decided to call itself Sleepy Hollow, renaming fever came to Nero, the unfortunately named upstate New York Milltown, whose aging buildings line both sides of the Keep the Munda Creek. When Nero was developed by British textile interest years ago, the really good classical names like Utica, Attica, and Syracuse had already been claimed by older upstate cities. Some people thought Nero had a good ancient ring to it and noted that Nero rhymes with hero. Nero also rhymes with zero, which has become a common taunt aimed at the Nero high school basketball team when the Nero fiddlers run onto the court. Zero Nero, zero Nero, zero Nero, the opposing fans yell at the start of each game. It's very unsettling. Nobody thought to research history when Nero was named, and no one discovered the connection with the infamous Roman Emperor Nero, who fiddled while Rome burned, until the town's 10th anniversary. By then, the name was on all the signs in the town that had been carved in stone in the public buildings. Over the years, people have accepted the name. The Nero Fiddlers may not be the catchiest name for the high school sports teams, but at least Native Americans aren't offended. And today, there's a curmudgeonly factor against changing the name of Nero, simply because the fiddling emperor connection seems appropriate, given the number of suspicious fires in the town's abandoned mill buildings. Joe Cassidy, who hosts the morning talk show on WNRO Radio, has been asking listeners for suggestions for a new name for Nero. Palm Springs and Sun Valley have shown surprising popularity, Callers say that, unlike North Tarrytown, Nero really has no claim to historical importance, so why not pick a name that gets your mind off the region's burdensome winter weather? Maybe that's how the Montgomery County town of Florida got its name. One caller proposed Government Check as a good name, given Nero's large percentage of retired folks on Social Security, government workers, and some younger people on welfare. Disgruntled old-timers say the new name should be in a foreign language, since so many of the new immigrants don't speak English. One of the newcomers suggested the name Friendship, although you could clearly tell he thought that friendliness was a quality Neroites did not extend to newcomers. Little Sin City was proposed to take advantage of Nero's old reputation as a wide-open town for drinking, gambling, and sex. More mainstream history buffs argued for the old Indian name of Keep the Munda, or they said, how about Sock City, to recall Nero's glory days when the sock mills were booming. Talk show host Joe Cassidy's rejoinder to that suggestion was his classic caller put down, please, not in my lifetime. 
After the subject took off as a talk show topic, a committee was formed to explore, quote, the positive aspects of changing the name of our town, including more tourism, jobs, and improved community spirit, unquote. Local politics being what it is, the committee is still arguing over what to name the committee. No matter what you call our town, one caller told Joe Cassidy on WNRO the other day, it's still going to be Zero Nero. We're still going to be known as the town where the sock mills moved out, where the creek used to smell, the town that people in the classier suburbs avoid like the plague, a place to leave if you can and live in only if you have to. Still, Sun Valley, New York has a nice ring to it. The Ajax Museum at WNRO. Notes from a nervous news director. The Keep Them Under Creek flows by the WNRO studios and transmitter in a swampy area of Nero. They build AM radio towers and wetlands to improve reception. On a clear day, though, you can barely hear WNRO on the other side of North Nero. Back in 1965, when the big power blackout took place in the Northeast, many radio stations, WNRO included, didn't stay on the air because they didn't have generators. Maybe this was a precursor to the Y2K problem. In the late 1960s, the government offered to give radio stations generators if the stations built fallout shelters, usually underground. WNRO still has the generator, which has been useful over the years in ice storms and the like. Since the subterranean fallout shelter was built next to the radio station near the swamp in the creek, it was always full of water. When you went down the ladder to the fallout shelter, you could peer in through a little window in the door and see radio equipment, tins of crackers, and other nuclear war supplies floating in one, two, or three feet of water. The Nero Fire Department pumped out the shelter two or three times a year. The flooded fallout shelter was the butt of many jokes. Some said that Jimmy Hoffa was buried there. When a new announcer was hired, the old hands would send him on some stupid errand down to the flooded fallout shelter. They filled in the underground fallout shelter a few years ago. The new shelter is above ground and doubles as a storage area. At least they get some use out of it. Somebody rescued a tin of crackers before the underground shelter was filled in, and that tin was the start of the Ajax Museum at WNRO. The Ajax Museum, named from a 1970s uh, comedy routine, is in an abandoned washroom off the big room where the WNRO transmitter was located. The nutty announcers and weird engineers at WNRO began putting in all kinds of pointless exhibits. For example, notes from a nervous news director, some obscene tapes made by one of the part-time engineers, a crumpled piece of tinfoil called the Nero Solar Heat Generator, a clock that runs backwards, which was dedicated to the FM station, which plays elevator music. You wouldn't take a tour of Cub Scouts to see these things, but if the night disc jockey's cousin came in from Detroit, the Ajax Museum was on the must-see list. Radio was fun. You've got to take care of your own. Marty the Bull's Lament. Retired Nero Union leader Marty the Bull is longing for the days when people took care of their own. Marty was holding forth at the Four Clover Tavern last Monday during all-you-can-eat ravioli night. Years ago, Marty would have scared me. He was a big man with the union of the sock mills before the mills moved south. He was tough. On the plus side, Marty was a good person to know if your brother-in-law needed work at the sock mills to get through the winter. Marty is older and not as awe-inspiring as he once was. In polishing off his ravioli at the bar of the Four Clover, he was lamenting how the big shots don't take care of the people anymore. Today, Marty said, with the sock mills gone and local stores swallowed by the chains, the only people who feel secure are those with the biggest protector of them all, the government. 
but even some of the people who commute from Nero to Albany are worried they might lose their jobs. They gotta take care of their families, Marty said as he pounded the bar. I think I heard that line in a bad gangster movie, but Marty the Bull has a point. Marty told this story. My son doesn't get his hair cut at Tony's Barbershop like I do, but he goes to Carla, one of the hairstylists at Clever Cuts in the practically empty downtown Nero shopping mall. I think guys go to these women beauticians to flirt more than anything else, but that's beside the point. Carla used to have a good job with the government in Albany, but was laid off and is now working three jobs to make ends meet. She opens the dry cleaners in the mall and works until she takes her kids to daycare. She's a single mother. Then she works at the hair salon. She works part-time for UPS on weekends. They say UPS likes to hire part-timers because they work a few hours lifting boxes, get real tired, and then rest in their own time. In any event, Carla is exhausted and still makes less with the three jobs than she made with her one government job, which gave her weekends off. Maybe she'd be better off on welfare, and maybe that has occurred to her. Of course, when I brought this story up at Tony's barber shop, said Marty, Tony was mad I was plugging a competitor who looks better than he does. The old-timer started the usual complaints about kids today, welfare today, the new immigrants, how tough things were in the Depression when people were glad to sweat 10 or 12 hours a day in the mills. Marty said, I tried to tell the guys that back in the old days, you thought that somebody would look out for you. You went to the big shots who were your own people, or made nice to the right people if your own people couldn't do much for you. Today it's all bottom line, said Marty. Groveling doesn't impress the current crop of bean counters who are probably worried they're about to be replaced themselves. Marty said, These companies just can't expect to have everything their own way. What was it that playwright guy Arthur Miller wrote? You can't eat the orange and throw the peel away. A worker is not a piece of fruit. When Marty the Bull starts quoting Arthur Miller, you know the day of judgment may soon be at hand. This is Bob Cudmore. Hope you enjoyed Episode 4 of You Can't Go Wrong, stories from Neuro New York and other tales. I hope you enjoyed it so much that you'll want to take a listen to Episode 5.